Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, sworn to protect a world that fears and hates it, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank. Join the studio, as always, by Pete and James. Hi, Pete and James. Hi. Hi, Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Good, Fair, and Poor to you newbies, and try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. This week, hot off the presses, House of X number five. The, the next to the last episode or issue or of, House of House of, of X. X. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the penultimate issue. So we're going to do full Ooh, spoilers of this book and every book that came before. And this is... Uh, so last time we did a podcast, oh, the X-Men were killed. All of them. And everybody was debating the hell out of what that means and how long this will affect whether we're in some sort of time bubble what are the what what's what's going on all the x men mm-hmm. died in a a brave basically suicide mission to stop mother mold from coming online thereby stopping nimrod from being developed in the future and wiping out all yeah. of mutant kind last week we were dis- discussing oh, oh. does this take place in the marvel universe that we know right so so far house of x summer? and powers of 10 could just be completely in its own yeah. little universe. Could be its own thing. However, I was reading an, another comic book that came out last week, Invaders number nine, I believe it was, where there is a character that references the things going on in Krakoa. Okay. Now. So confirmation that this is the in some way in Krakoa. That was it. In some way something happening in the Marvel universe that everyone is aware of. Implication, I wouldn't say confirmation, because we don't know what the what the situation on Krakoa yeah, is. Yeah, the situation in Krakoa, no one's been there for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. But we it leads us to believe that it is probably uh, more in canon than not. Yeah. And, you know, last issue, as I said, we were we were faced with the elimination of the entire X-Men team going out on this brave mission to found a new country by eliminating its greatest threat, uh, which left us with a lot of deep questions about what it means to be an X-Men and, and whether or not any of these people will have really survived and what does this mean for continuity and etc. All answered in this issue where it's just... We can resurrect X-Men all the time now. Yeah. Okay, you you have a reaction, James. Oh, oh my God. I've always been like someone who's, I don't know how I feel about resurrecting people, but definitely they're, they're all in like... In comics, correct? Just, yeah. not, not like in comics. I mean, just like just the whole general. idea of resurrecting people in general. But like uh, Professor X and Magneto here seem to be like, yeah, this is all fine. It's just like exactly the same. And I'm like, I feel gross about this every, on every level. Yeah. I was... I was going to ask that. It's like, did anybody else come away from this issue just feeling dirty? Yeah, I yeah, did. It's really uncomfortable. It's like, wow. Uh-huh. To say nothing of the fact that the resurrected X-Men come out naked and stay that way well, I, for their entire <laughs> presentation. They're full I get nude. The, they're like, nah, we're good. Get, they're like covered in this goo. goo. I get the birth kind of, uh, you know, the, the whole metaphor going on there. It Just the idea I, that you can just like take I, hmm. an empty carcass and, like, just reinsert the memories of the last person who lived that life. Like, I mean, just scientifically speaking, the whole, like, clone theory, the, the whole, yeah, it's the, the whole clone theory, right? So it's the idea that you're never truly going to be the same person because if you know that you died or if someone around you knows that you died, you will always unconsciously be affecting them in that way. 
right. right? Whether it's now X is maybe a little bit more protective of Scott, or that the he exact opposite, ca- the exact opposite, <laughs> right? Him out to die. Well, he tells us he's like, "Oh, I really don't like sending you out to die, even though it's very easy to bring you back." <laughs> but you said it, and you did it. Like I don't know why that would be the case. Now here's the question, though: if if the fact that other people treat you differently because you were dead, yeah, is the main problem with it. What if it becomes the norm and people expect that you can be brought yeah, back? I, I think even that does that then different. completely remove the stigma? They, no, I, I think that's its own implication. That's yeah. bad. Yeah, it may not a, be a stigma in the way you would classically think of one, but it's it is different. In fact, they even mention it in this book where the mutants who are part of the quote resurrection machine yeah. weren't treated as if they were like heroes. They were just they were transcendental. They were um, a cultural touchstone. Yeah, they were this amazing thing. They beyond founders. They were much more powerful and much more linked to one another. Yet none of them, barely any of them, I think maybe none of them have a speaking role in this. I don't think the five mutants that are using their powers to build this resurrection machine, it's not even a machine, it's a process. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mass production of human be- or mutant beings. actually is an interesting thing, now that I think about it, that they're referring to themselves, presumably this is, these are Xavier's notes that we're reading. Right. And he refers to them as a machine. Yeah. As we're, as we're dealing, especially over in Powers of Ten, with the implications of biological beings merging with machines and becoming machines. Right, and here you see it being expressed openly as a good thing and what yeah. they are trying to aim for. Uh, I, uh, so we got deep in the philosophical, which I think is amazing. I do want to dial it back a bit on the narrative. All right? This is slightly different than what the philosophical implications of what they're doing is. It's the narrative implications. So last week, we had we presumed, I think, that there was going to be some tie-in between the, um, the pods that we saw at the very beginning mm-hmm. of, I think it was House of X was the first issue, uh, and the fact that the X-Men have died utterly. Right, we know that they are not all gonna die. Yeah. It's not gonna be forever. But we kind of like. I think the thing I was toying with the most in my head was Krakoa, in some way, especially with this very atypical Xavier that we see, seems to be making its own mutants. Which maybe none of the mutants we see moving around in the story are in fact the real X Men. Maybe mm. they're all you know prisoners of Krakoa, and these are pod people out there uh, living and dying for the cause. That would have been interesting and would have been one way of taking it, certainly. And I feel like we got something that was surprising and significantly different than what I expected. I don't, we didn't get pod people, though people who are dying are not the real X Men. Instead, we got that no, they're the real X Men, but the real X Men are now immortal. They can just keep regenerating themselves in new bodies. And I, th- I don't know. It's very uncomfortable for the philosophical reasons that we kind of toyed on, but it's also kind of uncomfortable for the narrative reason. Like, it, like, what was that last issue about sacrifice and you have to suffer for the creation of your country? Not really. You just found a way to make yourselves immune to death. And, you know, all that, that, that scene where the person blows himself up to stop the X-Men from boarding the ship is now completely in a new light. He, he did kill himself yeah. to stop the X-Men from 
from dying. The X-Men just lost all... They respawned. They're video game characters. Mm-hmm. They respawned back on Earth in Krakoa. I guess, but I don't even know if... I mean, so assumably Cyclops and Wolverine and Jean Grey, they don't know anything about this. No, they know. When they're going uh, out to fight, you I think? I think they did know. I, yeah. w- I because, think there was a lot of subtext in there. I don't know about the the team. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking about... Uh, certainly Xavier and Eric, they know. No. But... You know, I'm thinking about the conversation Wolverine and Nightcrawler have in the previous issue, right? It's not in the right. House of X. Previous issue, four, yeah. in House of X four. He Wolverine is like, you know, you what's think it going to die? Yeah. What's it going to be like beyond death? You know what I mean? Like, you know, Wolverine plunges himself into the sun. He definitely thinks he's dying, and I, you know, again, we get the philosophical debate of right. consciousness. Theoretically, he did die, and this is just a new consciousness or whatever. But There's so many things I want to tag and go back into right now. All right, number one is, did Wolverine die? Because Wolverine is the character that does not die. We we joked last episode that if anyone's going to start, like we talked of the two characters that died in that scene, Nightcrawler and Wolverine, it seemed like Nightcrawler was the bigger sacrifice because he teleported Wolverine in. Like he was just transported. he would just die in space. And uh, he vaporized because he was close enough to the sun, but still. Yeah, and Wolverine, we've seen in other comic books, if he's got two atoms to rub together, he right, comes back. He'll come back. Right. So, like, the argument is like, oh, did he actually die uh, at all because he's Wolverine? Um, but that becomes more, it seems more genuine that he does die because they had to resurrect him. And does the resurrected Wolverine have animatium? I don't know. Well, that's they, actually a very they, good question. Would what? they go through the process of. Like, are they going to just weapon X them again? That's not, yeah, that's so not. So there's two ways of reading what you're saying, James, is either the characters did know that they were going to die and are just sort of so like, huh, you think this is the end for us? I'll see you next time. Whatever. I'll see you. I'll see you at the Golden Gates when the, by, by that I mean the pod that opens up where we <laughs> yeah. come out of. The Golden uh, Pods. Which makes it like ridiculous or it leaves a bunch of unanswered questions about why the X-Men left a pod and didn't think anything strange of it. I mean, uh, uh, their memories are backed up, I think, weekly is in the, the text. That is what the text says. Maybe it's updated more often if you're about to go on a suicide mission. But still, like, yeah, they leave Xavier, that pod. Xavier made sure that he had like a mind connection them the entire time. Like, and that the, was important to him. There's so much plot delivered in, in text in this that if... Xavier makes the pod people not realize that they're pod people, it's not delivered at all on this. No. I'm sorry. It, if anything, it reads that they absolutely were aware of it because they were literally marched around and everybody celebrated that. Yes, you are the original. You are a mutant. You're perfect. You're Cyclops. You're this person. You're like everybody. You're naked. <laughs> nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares about nobody that part. Nobody says that. that. So it, to me, from a narrative perspective, it makes it... Like we that line keeps going back and forth with who's right, the mutants or the humans, etc. And it was a playful at first, and now it just feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it there, the story is we're gonna we've almost skipped over this part, but like Emma Frost basically. It's about to say we didn't even get to the United Nations stuff. Does yet. say like yeah, I I I use my powers to force the the Security I, Council. I to rigged agree this to vote. This. And, you know, Xavier says something a little sly in the background. Thank you for, you know, taking that guilt upon yourself. But it's like, okay, so we're not even pretending anymore that this is just about humanity, protect, uh, mutanity to protect itself. And, you know, they are, there's a lot of gray area that's turning black. I'm 
I'm becoming increasingly uncomfortable referring to this person wearing the Cerebro helmet as Xavier. Oh, yeah. It does not feel like him no. at all anymore. And I am, I am more than ever convinced that whoever that is is exerting some sort of control over everybody on Krakoa. And that would be a little, that would be maybe more satisfying because it kind of erases some of the, uh, like, uh, the, I don't like the feeling of yeah. seeing my heroes act out it's of like character. like Storm and, is acting way out of character. Yeah, but yeah. I think the question here is, is why do these characters feel out of character? Is it, as, as you're suggesting, some sort of outside influence? Or is this, is this the product of, you know, I think it the... Push too far. Well, essentially, the the series kind of suggests with Moira, with the idea of knowing all of your past sins, all of your failures, is this the natural progression? Or natural progression maybe isn't the right word. Or is this is this the result of, I guess, yeah, push too far, of the, the mm-hmm. X-Men, of our heroes realizing that no matter what they've done in the, you know, however many years of X-Men history we've had, that they will always be treated as monsters, Yeah, you know? And is that what this leads them to? And it's a credit to the story that you can't quite tell the difference yet. Uh, but there are, it's not all credit. Uh, I, for the first time, perhaps in the entire run, I've run into actual issues with copy on page. So in the, I guess, the Xavier files, the reports, the, 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 the interstitial text yeah. pit documents, reading that feels more like someone's crib notes of what they think it will eventually say than an actual in-character report, right? It, whether this is from Xavier's viewpoint or from some like clinical um, third-party perspective or whatever, it's written very goofily. There's a lot of lines in there that feel... I, I wish I could uh, queue up a few right now. But like, note, we haven't experimented with what this and this happens. We, it's just so like draft one. It's, it mm. sounds really horrible to say it this way because I don't ever like saying that somebody isn't doing their job when, you know, I can't do that job. But like there's a, there's a couple of things like well, the, the mind. A backup of every mutant mind on the planet exists. Once a week, Charles Xavier copies the, quote, latest version of every mutant mind to multiple redundant, quote, cradles located in several locations, located in several locations across the world. Not only is that a little goofy of a sentence located, at, it's also like, like a child's vision of what like a scientist plan is. Like it's not, it's not graceful. It's not as well developed. Like a fourteen-year-old mis- X-Men fans. <laughs> yeah, if if Hickman did not update his draft from when he originally wrote this, there's like things in this where like you can, if you look at earlier uh, books in House of X or Powers of Ten, when you see these little interstitials, uh, it feels like this could be in a government report. Like they're talking about numbers of dead and uh, the the chance, the percentile chance of invasion happening. Things ex- this is, feels more it just, off it, the cuff, and it lacks it lacks a lot of detail. Probably because there's no actual way to put into science what's happening because that could never happen the way we know of it. But they it it kind of feels like they didn't try. I hear what yeah. you're saying. I'm not even honestly. I don't need it to be scientifically viable because I, it's it's magic comic book stuff. I don't yeah. really care about that. But I need it to be written in a way where 
it doesn't feel amateurish and this yeah. feels amateurish these these pages do and not the dialogue even a page later and in the very next page is, is Emma Frost and Xavier thought bubble conversating oh I love all the, di- all the dialogue both Great. characters have distinct voices they speak to each other in a way that you I understand who's talking even though they're uh, you know, it, it's beautiful, well written. That weird earlier page, I'm like, what kind of kid is summing up the last, the resurrection plan for the X Men? See, the rest of this has been so tight. Mm. I'm actually wondering if this isn't intentional. Okay. If this is actually showing us something, giving us a glimpse into maybe part of this is happening. From a mind that's coming unhinged or, or regressing, or, or something there's like a that. reason why they would leave out all that stuff about the mind control be- or the mind backups because maybe it's not real. Mm, I I don't know. I feel like we're 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 hoping too much on that one. <laughs> this I, doesn't feel like a cr- person losing their mind. It feels yeah. more like again. I hate the people. That was just an idea, but I mean maybe draft one. Yeah, yeah. It really does feel like like I get the concept. Certainly, it makes a lot of sense. It's a creepy interesting world it's not really it's not as tight as it has been in previous books like they didn't transcribe the one note on the side that said punch this up with more uh yeah (laughs) please punch this up with more uh, adult language yeah something even on the same book if you look at the mutant diplomacy map right right before that the little note of whether which countries are are rejecting because of ideological or political leads. And Wakanda I love, I is, love Wakanda. They do not need mutant drugs. And I'm like, you know what? That's a little line. You would probably blink and you miss it. It's good. It builds up a lot. Of, it's world building without having to have a character like exposition what's happening, which happens in the earlier parts. I, right. I, I don't understand it I don't understand why Honduras is just rejecting it. I, I, yeah, like I'm, a little, I'm a okay. little iffy about some of these countries and why they're on the list, but that's an, another do, conversation that's way too deep. I don't want to get lost in the weeds for the whether narratively it it means anything if your heroes can die and come back with a snap of the fingers back and forth, whether there's a giant respawn world for X-Men. I don't want to get lost in the weeds of whether there was a, the, the script could be a little tighter in some of the parts, especially the, um, the interstitial stuff. Uh, I, I'd like that we started off talking about the philosophical implications of all this. And my takeaway for this is that I'm not sure how heroic the X-Men are being. Mm. Uh, And it's not so much that do anything to protect your people. I get that. And I get the hopelessness of saying, like, listen, we've tried everything. We always end up dead. We know what the future is. We always end up dead. But, like, again, I keep imagining, I keep going back to that scene of a human blowing themselves up and a desperate attempt to keep the X-Men at bay and all the other X-Men seeming to even out that, that, that cold equation because they also die in an attempt to keep themselves, you know, keep their people alive, stop this machine mm-hmm. from coming online or whatever. But we now know that that equation was kind of nothing. There was no cost. There was no cost involved at all. And that's really weird to me. I'm going back to another question I asked before. Is, were any of these people on the island the real X-Men? Yeah. Ever. It's interesting. Because another thing I've realized recently, the story previously preceding this in X-Men continuity was a story in which the vast majority of the X-Men were presumed dead. There was an event that killed off most of the X-Men. And then in these interstitials, we've got this whole list of protocol about not 
resurrecting an X Man before they're confirmed to dead. Confirm them dead, or for they go missing for a month. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm wondering if that is playing into the fact that maybe yeah this quote unquote Xavier went ahead and replaced the X Men. Mm, maybe that, and we may be getting a little cake and eat it too. In yeah. this, where we have to deal with the philosophical like, ramifications, but and, we find out afterwards that they're not quite yeah. what we think they in are. In the end of the previous storyline, the X-Men did come back. So I'm wondering if at the end of this storyline, the original, real, quote-unquote, X-Men are going to come and confront the pod X-Men. Right. So I could see some validity to Pete's theory. I just flip back really fast to the first issue we read in this whole thing. It opens with the resurrection of that team. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the it's, same. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. But logistically speaking, is it that exact same scene, or I, I think it is because what? it's the, literally the same art. Did it give us a uh, a it, time? It gives you being, nothing. It gives you nothing. No, no basis for it. It's even I think without it's a flash words. Forward, if anything. It, it even but, without words. The only words in the entire thing are to me my ex. Yeah, right. I, I would I, I would share that with, that assessment with Frank in the fact that it is the exact same artwork. Right. Which is about as straightforward as you can come with the comic book panels to saying this is a flash forward. Right, I guess, right. but I feel like you know, couldn't that also intentionally be done to throw you off? It, it is possible. I'll, I'll say it's a valid read. I think it's unlikely, though. All right. I will Just also, based on comic book convention. Also, uh, I guess maybe to to wrap this up, there is a, there's something about Xavier, not only the way he's acting and the way he's speaking and his the, his actions he's taking, but also the way he's moving. Uh, we're on Twitter at Near Mint Show, and there's a, uh, a tweet that had come out recently. Like, There's something very slightly effeminate about the way he's being positioned in some of these resurrection scenes that I think build on the case that Xavier is being controlled by someone else. Uh, the people on the internet were saying that it may have been Moira in some way. I think Pete is on the money. I think we were, we're looking at Cassandra Nova. Cassandra Nova. I so, think she is uh, Xavier's sister and genocidal mutant is perhaps the person behind all this. So I know nothing about Cassandra Nova can you guys fill me in? I think we just kind of did. Uh, Xavier's sister, yeah, she's genocidal twin mutant. twin sister whom oh, he's okay. whom he apparently strangled in the womb. Oh, uh, okay. And is kind of she figured out a way back. I don't know how. She's I can't one of the remember. more dangerous villains they have run into in the past, in the somewhat recent past. Not a not a very old character. Similar um, powers to Xavier. And um, pretty well known for uh, at least uh, for some time in the whole pith helmet and explorer yeah. gear get up that we see Xavier in. In, uh, uh, in Powers of Ten yeah, last issue. issue. So I, I think that might be what we're looking at. So uh, but this is not the only place where the, the mutants are behaving unusually. Uh, the, big, the other big thing that happens in this really thick, heavy issue is we see the villains of mutant past, all these uh, what would be considered supervillains in uh, in the mutant universe, uh, finding sanctuary in Krakoa, including perhaps the biggest bad of them all, Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So this is more of that whole gray turning black for me, right? You're just saying anybody, anybody goes. If you were bad, outside, you've got clemency in Krakoa. That I'm not sure about. Very creepy. I'm 
kind of okay with that. Like, that tracks with Xavier's general mindset of everybody deserves a second chance. You know, you're a mutant. This is your home. You're welcome here until you make yourself unwelcome, essentially. It certainly mm-hmm. tracks. I'm not uh, to uh, some extent, yeah. but I don't know how justifiable that is. Im- imagine giving people uh, uh, clemency for war crimes because they're, they're countrymen. They're the same race as you. So you, if you make it through the border, you're not going to be held accountable for your crimes. It's not as if the people who come in, they're like, all right, you're going to have to serve your time for being mm-hmm. a mass murderer. It's like, okay, as long as you promise not to do it anymore, start over here. Yeah. And, and, they, uh, and there's a lot of them that you can make the case that the only reason they did the bad things was to achieve the same goals that you've just achieved. Sure, but I mean, but by all, I, first of all, that's not the, all yeah. of them. I mean, Emplate is there in the background, and he's just a vampire that eats other mutants. Yeah, I don't. Some uh, of these people just do not. It kind of makes sense for them to be on Krakoa, and the way I originally read uh, Sabretooth, who was the first character we kind of toyed that idea with, is like, okay, he's going to be in mutant jail. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, we don't trust humanity. You're going to try to turn him into a weapon like you always do. So mm-hmm. we're going to take him onto Krakoa yeah, for was... mutant jail. But these people just seem to be like, all right, fr- fair. And beyond all of that, I mean, it's it's more evidence of Grey turning to black. Apocalypse, to me, does not read like it makes sense at all. Really? he's there. Really? Because he's the only one that made sense to me out of all of them, the way he was behaving. Really? I mean, what he, he says, he says it directly, you know, it's. This is exactly what I was trying to do. You've done it. Thank you. All right. Got got nothing else to fight for. Yeah. All right. So that is fine. What is it that he was trying to do? Because I read Apocalypse's uh, raison d'etre as an apocalypse. He wants mutants and humanity to fight so mutants become supreme. Mutant is the natural evolution of man. Mm -hmm. And it seems as if Krakoa's thing is, hey, you stay on your side of the lawn. We'll stay on our side, and let's not bother each other anymore. I wonder. I wonder so how either true that is. Though. That is yeah. the stated goals. That so that's yeah. it. But w- when we look at what's actually going on in the United Nations, okay, no, that's mutants dominating the entire world. Okay, in that and case, dictating the terms. Yes, yeah. it's re- just not a war. It's right. It, nobody's. You know, it's being yeah. done with the same gravitas. Uh, air quotes well, that uh, politics no, is done with today. I get it. That means that this scene is so much darker. Oh, it's than super it dark. Yeah, it's not. It's so, black. This isn't apocalypse. Saying okay, this I'm, is vantable. I am willing to come in here and be, you know, to be subject to your rules. It's more like oh, so you are doing this whole apocalypse thing, right? We're going to wipe out humanity. We're just going to, instead of just killing them all by knife, we're just going to, you know, it's going to be more of an ethnic cleansing than a than a actual eh. normal genocide. I'm cool with that. That's what this is basically boiling down to, if that's your reading on this. I'll give you the In which exact... case, we are 100% in X-Men are bad guys. <laughs> I'll give I mean, you, I'll give you right. uh, Apocalypse's exact view of what's going on here. It's the view of a, uh, a farmer who understands that you don't pave or destroy your cow pasture. You leave the pasture out there for your cows to graze on. Maybe. I could see that. I, you know, I, it's I, like, I, okay, humanity's our flock now. Uh, possibly. I, I, We're going to use them for whatever we want. Yeah, as long as the X-Men are the, the, you know, as long as the mutants are in charge, which they clearly are, right? If M yeah. is influencing 
votes in government, I mean, what? who can stop them? I guess we're going to have to find out about who are we rooting for. I, I don't know anymore. It's weird because, like, I, I'm on board with the X-Men are treated poorly throughout universe. Like, I get that. I want them to fight back. I, I think this is why I'm uncomfortable with this book is because I want the X-Men to... I, I feel bad for their... I, I, I feel for their cause and want to support their cause, but they are... This is bad. This is yeah. too I mean, dark. They've lost the moral high but this, ground. Yeah. You know, if, for a larger world conversation, this does from time to time happen with causes. All causes pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Causes start out for the right reasons and go too far. Mm. All right. Speaking of going too far, this episode's gone too long, so we're going to have to rank House of X number five. I, I'm going to give it a near mint. I like that it makes me feel super uncomfortable because it means that it's being done really well. Uh, it's only a near mint, though, because I also agree with you, Frank. Uh, I really love the supplemental material, and some of it in here, it's, it's a little off. All right. Pete? Uh, I got to be honest. The, the episode left me feeling really icky and a really, really nasty taste in my mouth. So I'm going to have to give it a winter mint. Oh! Oh! Nice mint, good. All right, we keep going episode instead of issue, but that's fine. It's uh, like TV; it's yeah, all the same. It's now. all the same. Yeah. Now. I. They're putting out trailers for X Men comics now. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good arguments that could eventually be made in these stories. Like, I want the conversation about where what this means for the X Men when you're basically immune to death, or is this just a cheap way of you know X Men is the resurrection comic book, so let's just lean into it. But this book did not give me that. It just opened it up and allowed my imagination to fill in the blanks, but not quite. And that little un- the, the, the writing wasn't tight enough. I'm. It's a good. Oh, it's just good. I, I. I'm not saying that it doesn't have room to grow or that there isn't more to be had about this eventually. But like right now, I'm like I can't honestly say that. If they never touch on it again, and if it just like Kickman leaves us with the the X Men currently have a resurrection machine in like the next two or three issues. Well, that's it. We don't, we, it's up to somebody else to question whether or not that makes sense or is a good quote thing to have. Uh, but we're not quite at it yet. Uh, mm. I'm sorry to say. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're enjoying. Uh, we are now completely caught up. So please subscribe to Near Mint in the podcatcher of your choice so you can get someone to geek out with you about these issues as they hit stands. And leave us a good review so that other people can find out about the show. And share your opinions with us at the Non-Pro Fan Club. The, the three primary ways you could join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash nonpro or facebook.com slash group slash nonpro to chat along with us. You could join our Discord at non-productive.com slash Discord, or you could talk to us on Twitter, where we're either at Nonpro or at Near Mint Show. We're just learning to use Twitter after a decade on the air, so bear with us. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.